Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, Big Kurt, on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you when you do that. The numbers are good. We expect them to... Keep getting a little bit better as we inch closer to the football season. We're getting close, man. Dude, mid-July. Mid-July, we're going to start doing some preview casts very soon. Um, Actually talking football. Talking football. Football games, contests, Um, matches, as they call it in soccer, which which transitions to something that I did yesterday. You, you, You watched soccer and you admitted to me, well, first of all, you admitted to me earlier today. Now you're going to admit it on a podcast that you watch, watch soccer. Okay. It was a slow Sunday. All right. I went and did some shopping, and I always reward myself after shopping for clothes because I hate doing it. <laughs> so I go and I sit at the bar and have a few drinks, right? And so the game was on. Uh, this this uh, It's Italy and England, okay? It's the UEFA Cup is what they call it. So I think what it is, is I'm already lost. I always get confused, okay. and I don't know if you're the one who explained it to me, but... There's all different leagues and like, oh, it's so and then confusing. Like, the pro leagues stop, and then it's country versus I, yeah. So what it is, I guess this is my understanding is it's like the World Cup, but it's only for Europe. Okay, and I don't know if that's it, a good. I think it happens every year. I think this is how much I know about soccer. But anyway, it was the championship game, England versus Italy. All right, so it was two, all over Twitter. Yeah, and so I to, to say I watched the game that is being a little liberal with it because. You know, it was on. It was on, and I kind of, kind of was paying attention a little bit. Well, England scores early, really early in the game, which is like a thirty-five point play in football, right? right? <laughs> so it's one yeah. zip. And I would it's say like, at least seventeen. Yeah, so it's like seventeen. Oh, it's going to be at least seventeen, okay, right? right? So they score. The match is virtually over at this point. How can you come back from one goal deficit? Well. Italy had a 35-point play of their own in the second half, and it was 1-1. And then it goes like they don't do overtime. They just keep playing. It's the weirdest thing. Like, if yeah. they're tied, they just and keep the playing the game. The clock just keeps going. And there's no clock anywhere on the field, which I never understood either. <laughs> Stupidest <laughs> thing. Dumbest. So you don't know when the game's going to end. Right. They just keep kicking the stupid ball around the middle of the field. You barely see a goal. You barely even like lay your eyes on an actual net. So they go this, all the extra time, however long that is, and nobody scores, of course. So then they have to go to these, these uh, uh, like the penalty kicks, right? Which is, and I have to say, like the extra time, the penalty kicks, I really enjoyed it. I mean, who doesn't like a shootout to a certain degree? Well, I don't like games being decided by that, but it was still exciting to watch. Like, I don't like that in hockey either. Like, to, I, I just, But how long would they play? Would they play until tomorrow? Would they have to take... Like sleep for eight hours, rewarm up, and start playing again. I mean, who knows how long it could take to get to three total goals in a game? Sure. So, and now, okay. Now there was, of course, things I did not like about the game. One was the flopping. Yeah. Oh God, the flopping. So there's this one play where now, legitimately, the Italian dude steps on the English dude's thigh with his cleat, right? And it must hurt like hell. But you thought this poor guy had got his his arm severed or something or stepped back in the octagon and his ankle split in two. Right. And and <laughs> by the way, he didn't even seem distraught that his ankle in an was, interview 
his ankle broken i don't know how many spots meanwhile this poor soccer player writhing and flipping and flopping around on the ground again it probably did hurt but then of course the italian dude fakes like he's injured too and he wasn't injured at all but nevertheless it's the first time i've ever watched a soccer game and and at least enjoyed myself for a while um the the beautiful game as they call it and, do and, they? And, yeah, and it's and it's football, of course. Yes, you know, football, football. Um, I think I could live in a world where there was football and football, as long as there was a hard, different, definite way to to enunciate it. So instead of saying soccer, I mean, it's they a, don't call it soccer overseas. No, it's I don't, a stupid word. It's really. football. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have. I'll say this. Okay, my buddy Zed. He listens to the pod. What's up, Zed? Um, his daughter came up to play at that big uh, sports park up in Blaine. It's like national, okay. like it, they have big sporting events up there. And I was like, all right, my buddy's in town. I don't get to see him that much. He lives in Illinois. I'm going to go hang out with him. Even if I have to watch girls soccer, I got to be honest with you. I got into it a little bit, but there's more goals being scored. So because it's a smaller field yeah. and you know, my guess is a lot of times the goalie, they just fall asleep and just let some balls go through way more exciting. If you could get soccer to a point where it was five to four. Yeah. I mean, like, like hockey has the right amount of scoring for that yes. type of game. They're usually, it's, usually, and I'd also like to say, you know, when the period is over, <laughs> it counts down and there's a gigantic red alarm that goes off and the period's over. Could you imagine just playing a football game, like American football and there's no scoreboard. Just no time. What, what like, quarter is it? Well, how much time is left? Are we in hurry up offense? <laughs> no. Or are we four minute offense? What are we doing here? But the thing about soccer versus American football is this: there's just so much more strategy in American football. Oh God, there's just, no. Well, there's every play. There's literally eleven guys going to get like eleven one on one situations, right? And in soccer, it's like two dudes in the middle of the screen just kicking the ball back and forth. And then occasionally, you see a net. So, so it is eleven on eleven. Eleven on eleven, with the goalie being one of those eleven. Yeah, I, think I, that's am, how it I works. am not asking to be facetious. I honestly do not know. Um, so, I mean, the goalies are just sitting there with their thumbs up their butts most of the time. Yes. Um, and, and then I would say, so that leaves ten. I would say seven of the ten, they're just kind of jogging. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna go jog this way now. So, all right, here's my. They got to be in great shape. I'll give them that. Oh yeah, some tremendous. Um, cardiovascular. So, okay, let's do this experiment. Let's say you have an isolated country, a brand new country on, on the planet, right? Okay. <clears throat> you drop into this brand new country, soccer and American football. Which one do you think they're going to like more? Um, am I, is the captive audience of the country, it's the first time they've seen either sport? It's the first time they've seen either oh, sport. than football. So my theory as to why soccer is so popular is because that's the only sport these countries had for however long. It, you need you don't even need shoes. You just need a pigskin filled with air to some capacity. You can set up a makeshift. Okay, those two that's trees the other thing. in between. Yeah. So it's cheap. I mean, people it's easy just, to do. Right. It's not easy to organize I, I mean, American football game. I've only been to Europe once. Um, even just being over there, then you get the sense of how big the sport is. If given the right uh, uh, alcohol and chemical help, and if I was at a soccer event, my guess is I would enjoy it. You know, if it was like, oh, yeah. like I wouldn't expect to be at Ohio State, Michigan, but if I was at uh, Nebraska Northwestern, you know, level, sure. and I was there, like I, I. I I would probably have some fun, I guess. But yeah. But even then, like, 
one to nothing is still one to nothing. Like I'm, which is by the way probably the the most typical soccer that's, score is that's, one nothing. Right? That's horrible. They need to do something about that, don't <laughs> yes. they? Like I love football. Obviously, if the score of most football games was six to nothing, it'd be terrible. Not terrible, but. I mean, not it wouldn't be fun. great. And and by the way, that's the way football was when it started out. Like the early days of the NFL, they realized they had a problem because all the games were like six to three. And so like we got to do something to increase the scoring. And they did like in the basically like 1930-ish, they realized they had a, a severe image So problem. what you're saying is we should introduce the forward pass to soccer. Yes. <laughs> I think it might work. <laughs> that would be pretty good. I don't know. And the um, using the hands And thing. dude, the other thing too is just – I feel like the sport is being shoved down my throat. Um, I, I'm I'm embarrassed that we're even talking about. It. I mean, we're mostly making fun of it, so hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> most of our listeners get that side of it. But like, it's being shoved down our throat. At the same time, people telling us that you know, playing football, American football, the real football, is akin to you know, step getting shot in the head or whatever. But like. I just feel like it's being forced. It's contrived, and I and I resent it because of it. It is a little forced. I mean, we've been told for 40 years that it's going to be the most popular sport in America, and it never even approaches it. Um, and then back to a, another off-topic sport. Uh, I'm happy that I didn't spend the money to get the UFC fight. Um, all I had to see, I woke up the next day. I'm like, all right, scroll on Twitter. Let's see. It took all of about three minutes to see the video of Conor McGregor I mean, just stepping back in his leg snap. I don't know how that happened. Well, my point is, if his leg can do that, what chance do, do guys like me and you have? Like, I'm afraid to step back right now. Well, I tell people all the time, like, people, oh, I was out playing softball and I hurt myself. You dummy. You can't do stuff like that. I'm serious. Like, I learned at probably like 30 years old that I had no business Playing stuff like that. It's got to be a very controlled type of movement. Right. right? Like you you can almost 100% anticipate what you're going to do next. Yeah. There's no surprises. No, no surprise. That's the right. That's exactly right. You can't have any surprises. Like you can't suddenly have to juke and jive this way and cut. Like, no. Uh -uh. Or at least to the point where I'm just young enough, and I mean barely, that if I really focused and got my body back into shape, I probably could get surprised. But there'd be so much work to have to do that. Uh, Why would I do that? No. That's that's not worth it. I mean, I was only 28, I'm going to say, and uh, old job. And one of my customers found out that I played college football at Iowa. And her husband had a semi-pro football team. Uh -huh. And they invited me to one of the games uh -huh. as a recruitment thing. It was the last time I was ever recruited for football in my life. And uh, I was generally interested, and I went to one of the games. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to do that. No. <laughs> I remember going to a football reunion. Like, we had our high school program had a reunion. Like, anybody that, that played could come. It was, it was a good time. I remember a couple of the, the guys that were, like, probably five years old. Actually, one played at Northwestern. He was quarterback at Northwestern. Um, and they started talking to him. And they're like, oh, you should come out and play on our semi-pro team. I'm like, hell no. What? <laughs> I mean, even – um, our, our mutual friend, Patrick, um, dude, this is like 10 years ago too. Um, their, they office, they did, it was like one of those last ditch efforts. Everybody was in like their early thirties, you know, and they 
signed up for flag football. Okay. And they wanted me to play because I know almost everybody. That, and I, and, and they're, I'm like, no, I don't no. want to play. Number one, you can't hit anybody in flag football. It's the most frustrating thing yeah. in the world. Somebody crowds across the middle. My reaction is I want to, you just can't. Um, and I'm like, dude, you guys are going to have so many injuries. And it was literally like three weeks in. Well, Patrick like tore his his uh, ACL. He did. Yeah, it still doesn't have an ACL oh to this goodness. day. Um, by the way, you just don't really need ACLs at some point in your life. Uh, but there was like blown hamstrings, quads. I think they literally made it like four games, and everybody just quit. <laughs> Because again, you have to get your body into you have to you have to yes. get your body into because most of the torn ACLs and quads they're non-contact drills. Right. That's essentially what flag football is. It's just a gigantic non-contact drill. I mean, if I went out right now and and threw like let's say we went out and threw a football back and forth for a half hour, but I might not be able to use my right arm again. <laughs> you would definitely have to warm it up and hydrate. Quite a bit. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, just driving your, your car might be tough after yeah. that. Um, as you can tell, we have got no college football. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Hey, by the way, one thing. Speaking of MMA, you're talking about uh, uh, Conor McGregor fight. Yeah. There is a fantastic uh, a series called Kingdom. That's It's centered around MMA fighting. And it was on the Netflix, but now it's over on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend. Okay. It's four seasons. And What's it, is, it called? It's called Kingdom. Yeah, I think I've but seen that. But there's a bunch of shows called Kingdom or Last Kingdom or yeah. This Kingdom or that. So you got to look really hard to find it. But it's it's about MMA fighting. Just one word, Kingdom. Kingdom. All right. Drama. I four watch it, but I it's amazing. It. Yeah. I'm I'm rewatching. I'm going back and rewatching it. That good. That's how good it is. Okay. Um, I did get into MMA for a little while. Uh, my buddy Sean. I enjoy uh, it. He. It helps when when you sit down to watch an MMA fight, if somebody knows the fighters yeah. and they say, all right, here's this guy's style. This is that guy's style. This is what might happen. That helps. Helps tremendously. Cause um, I don't follow it, but no. I enjoy watching a fight occasionally, but I have to be watching with someone who, who really does follow it. Here's what I have time to follow. Uh, my job, uh, my kids, uh, college football, and a little bit of current topics. That's all I got left. I can't. I don't get any any other room or space. I mean, the. I guess I have a little more than you because I don't have the kids. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, that's basically all I do. That's it. <laughs> right. You pretty much listed everything that I do. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, I don't know where that that came out of nowhere right there. That but but that was fun. Congratulations on admitting to all of our listeners that you're a soccer fan. I know that's a big moment for you. Partial soccer. So first time I enjoyed a televised soccer contest i think i would i think i would have to be doing something like tiling or (laughs) painting like i would really have to have something i mean basically really focusing on i was sat at the bar drinking yeah okay that helps all right okay uh as we already mentioned uh there is no college football to talk about uh uh well let me say there is one okay um because we allude to this in this podcast so our interview today was a long one. Uh, Mr. Ohio was nice enough to join us on the podcast. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, follow him on Twitter. I think I already say this in the pod, but he's a great follow, not just because of Ohio State stuff. He talks a lot of Big Ten uh, football. And one of the things we touched on was the news coming out of Kansas, uh, which is that Les Miles, their their former coach, I mean, essentially paid a kid off $50,000 to shut his mouth for, you know, physical abuse he took. And of course, 
we never heard of any of that coming out of Les Miles when he worked at LSU, which is crazy. My tweet today in response to a Dustin Schutte tweet was, prediction, somehow Kansas will be, their reputation will be marred by this and LSU will go unscathed. I mean, how long, how, how can even SEC fans not react to that? And and I mean, at least just at least just lie or admit that you're lying, that you don't care. Because you can't deny that it's BS, but that's just my take. So, uh, Mr. Mr. Ohio and I talked on that. We got off topic quite a bit with that. And you know what? Maybe with uh, maybe when you're the champ, you are allotted certain things. So in this case, Mr. Ohio and Ohio State gets their own podcast. And right, fair yeah. enough. And it, th- I think it works out perfect because we can pair Illinois Iowa next time. And yeah, it should work out. I mean, a forty-minute interview, right? So yeah, it's pretty close. That's that's pretty much one episode. That's right pretty much one episode. So, anyways, without further ado, Mister Ohio for our our for the fans by the fans interview. We are joined now by the one and only Mister Ohio. You can find him on Twitter at Mister O H one O on Twitter. Mister Ohio, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. You uh, you picked a great day to have me on. Yesterday, I had just gotten back from Chicago, and I went to the Cubs game. Then I went to bars and just yelling over the loud music and everything. I sounded like an 80-year-old smoker. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's the natural reaction to going to uh, Wrigley. I uh, haven't been there in a while. Ironically, the last time I was there was uh, Iowa played Northern Illinois the next day uh so it was a big wrigley iowa football weekend it was a blast um were you in the were you in the bleachers by chance uh i no i was in like right behind first base pretty good seats actually close to the bleachers though so i saw like the beer snake and everything that they were making it's sweet yeah those are those beer snake things are taking over major league parks they're everywhere now oh it was awesome we had some guy coming around with the sign that said we need your empty beer uh cups (laughs) cups <laughs> and security started kicking them out and everyone was booing security it was awesome <laughs> so it sounds like wrigley has retained some of its charm after all the oh yeah it's, it's back to 2019 form <laughs> so mr ohio are you a cubs fan is that what i'm hearing no not not at all i'm okay. an indians fan so it made it kind of rough <laughs> gotcha gotcha well uh my podcast partner uh, uh big kurt is a big uh, white Sox fan hates the cubs with a passion so he'll be happy to hear that Good, good. I'm, I'm with him there. <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, you took a little time off Twitter. Great to have you back on Twitter. Um, you know, we've we have tried to reach out to people that are fans. Uh, first and foremost, you know, nothing wrong with journalism. Well, that's not actually true. But, you know, in this case, we just try to reach out to fans. You are definitely an Ohio State fan. On top of that, you are a knowledgeable Big Ten fan and college football fan. Um, for those of anybody listening that doesn't follow Mr. Ohio on Twitter, I highly recommend it. Cause also I would say you're by and large, a positive football fan as much as you can with your tweets. Um, so I, anyways, just wanted to say first and foremost, appreciate that. You're, you're a great Twitter follow. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I try to, there's a lot of negative fans out there and my, my dad, it was uh, a very angry Ohio State fan growing up, so I try to do the opposite. <laughs> Still love him, but <laughs> I understand how that could be. Uh, my, I mean, my old man wasn't that way, but I, I understand what you're saying. But uh, well, heck, let's kind of get into it then. Uh, the first kind of question is, 
uh, how you got to be an Ohio State fan. Um, and as best you can, just kind of intertwine that with one of your best memories of, of following Buckeye football. Yeah, so I grew up in northwest, northwest Ohio, um, fairly close to Michigan and Notre Dame. So we still had a good amount of Notre Dame and Michigan fans in the town. But growing up, I mean, my whole family, we were bled scarlet and gray and pretty much all of my friends, same way. I mean, I've been to so many Buckeye man caves, like being a Buckeye fan in Ohio is awesome. We just bleed football, you know, every Saturday or nowadays, Thursdays or even Fridays, it's just Buckeye football. When Buckeye football is on, like the whole city drops stores are closed, not closed, but no one's in the stores. Everyone's wearing scarlet and gray that day. It's just a blast. Um, specifically my grandpa went to Ohio state back in the fifties. So we've had season tickets for as long as I can remember. I mean, I, a lot of big 10 fans are probably not, I wouldn't say jealous, but they kind of hate how good Ohio state is. And I get it. I mean, we just dominated, but I've definitely seen the bad. I mean, prior to 2002, we were, uh, good until we played Michigan. So I understand Michigan fans nowadays for sure. But, I mean, I, I was there in uh, 2005 when Vince Young came in and beat us. I was there in 2007 when Juice Williams for Illinois came in and destroyed us. It definitely seemed the bad Baker Mayfield coming in and planting the flag. But definitely had a lot of great memories. I know you're an Iowa fan, so I'll throw a fun one out for you. 2009, Ohio State, Iowa. Uh, went to overtime. I think James Vandenberg was Iowa's QB. Ohio State kicked a field goal in overtime to win the game, go to the Rose Bowl. And that was the first time I'd ever been able to storm the field. And I was two rows from the field the whole game in my seat. So I was wow. one of the first guys on the field. And I was right at the tunnel that Iowa ran out. So the players were walking back all demoralized. And I'm just running past them with the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> Wow. That's, I mean, you know, as far as, uh, that, that was night game too. So storm in the field, I would think that's, you know, a pretty good memory, uh, real, real quick, just to interject. Um, you know, I played football in Iowa there. I, I didn't get to every single stadium, especially with, you know, Nebraska, Maryland and Rutgers, not even, not even being in the big 10 cause I'm so Damn. old. Uh, but I distinctly remember, uh, 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 being at the horseshoe. I don't know what it is now, but at the time, the horseshoe again, aging myself, but at the time the horseshoe at the, at the open end was just rickety uh, bleachers, not unlike <laughs> you would see at like a, a, you know, like a D three football stadium. Um, and I remember walking in under those bleachers and it was already crazy. And then uh, sitting on the sidelines, cause I spent a, a big chunk of my career on the sidelines, the Ohio state fans, made fun of my name. They made fun of my, my name of the person of the, or, or made fun of the name of the person next to me. Ohio state fans were relentless, but like, it was hilarious. I mean, we were dying laughing at you guys making fun of us. Anyways, that's, that's what I always think about when I think of the horseshoe. That's hilarious. I was honestly probably one of those guys was we got there early and we would uh, put our heads over the, over the tunnel and we would just chirp all the players coming through. I remember Nick tune for uh, Wisconsin. We chirped him so hard. He was so flustered before that game. 
<laughs> he gave he, us the bird every time he'd pass us in warm-ups. It was priceless. <laughs> like you dude did your research. You would read the bios of the of Iowa football players and find something specific to point out. I, I, I was impressed. It, honestly, <laughs> we, we, we weren't even mad about it. We were laughing more than anything. Oh, uh, yeah. For, uh, for basketball, I had season tickets to basketball, too. And we used to get a paper, all the people, all the students in the section used to get a paper every, before every game of just like little things to chirp the players at when they were shooting free throws. It was so funny. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. It's like um, there has been no breakage of tradition and success at Ohio State. I mean, essentially, if you are old enough to be still walking the face of the earth, you've pretty much followed a successful Ohio State football program the entire time. Um, some people get jealous. Um, you know, I don't think I'm one of them. Uh, I never hated Urban Meyer to the degree that many uh, Big Ten fans seem to. Um, I like the sweater vest. Uh, you know, like, I, I'm not saying I, I love Ohio State football, but um, it's still a representation of the conference and I hate to be all SEC ish and we'll get into that later. I'm sure. But, you know, I cheer for the Scarlet and gray most cases when it's out of conference. Cause I feel like it's pretty much good for, for the big 10. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good Buckeye football is definitely good for the big 10, especially when the big 10's playing up to the level of Ohio state. I know. Yeah. Like we said, we'll get into the SEC. I'm sure, but no one loves to give the big 10 teams credit when they play Ohio state at Ohio State's level. It's all, oh, Ohio State struggled today. So frustrating. Yep. <laughs> we'll put a bow on that, but hopefully we'll come back to it because I don't want to skip over, uh, you know, go ahead. What What's your favorite, you know, memory or two being a, being a uh, Ohio State football fan? Um. So let's see. One of my favorite memories, and it's a weird memory. Obviously, I did not see it coming, but when I went to Ohio State, I worked in the athletic department, so I had a lot of buddies, obviously, after I graduated. So I had just graduated in spring 2014. So I was going to one of the games in fall of 2014. And I was walking to the game. I was about a mile away. I was at the houses on East Side, just about a mile away from the stadium. And I was walking with my girlfriend at the time to the stadium. And a golf cart pulls up next to us. And it was one of my buddies that I used to work with. So I dapped him up, looked in the back seat of the golf cart, and Troy Smith is just chilling there. I was like, oh, what's up, what's up Troy? <laughs> so, That's hilarious. My buddy left and two minutes later came back and found us, let us get in the golf cart, drove us all the way up to the stadium, passed the huge line of people trying to get in right into the stadium, let the people scan our tickets. We got the whole Troy Smith treatment, which was really cool. Membership have its, has its privileges. As Absolutely. It, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> How about you got maybe a more on-field football related one, uh, probably involving a national championship? <laughs> um let's see so my favorite game i ever went to was did not involve a national championship unfortunately but 2018 michigan was number four coming into columbus the line was uh on for four for michigan so like michigan fans were all hyped up they thought they were going to come in and finally beat us and uh, Dwayne Haskins just comes out and throws a cool 400 yards, six touchdowns, and we absolutely destroyed him. That was, uh, that was a fun one. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I was thinking maybe that was the 2017. What, what was the game that was so close, came down to the spot? I'm, I'm blanking on the year on the top of my head. That, yeah, you got that me. That, 
That was, a year that was before, yeah, right? I think it was 2017. It was 2019. Yeah. We destroyed them too. Yeah, because I mean, it, that's the last close game has been <clears throat> has been that one. So yeah. Um, so you, I mean, getting tickets to any Ohio State Michigan game alone is tough. So sounds like with your family tickets, you've been able to go a couple of those games. Yeah. So it's very unfortunate. I mean, I'm not going, I'm not disappointed because I've been to so many great games, but so my grandpa had the tickets and he had two kids, my mom and her brother. So we always switched who got the Michigan tickets. And obviously since we didn't play Michigan at home every year, it rotates quite a lot. Um, I was not able to get the 2006 Michigan tickets when it was number one versus number two. I wasn't able to get to 2014. We won the national championship or the 2002 when we went to the national championship. So I've missed a lot of good ones there, but I've seen a lot of other good ones at least. So what I'm hearing, Mr. Ohio's the uh, uh, key is that if you're not in attendance to the Ohio state, Michigan game, something pretty big happens to the Ohio state team later that year. So maybe you're the anti horseshoe to use a pun there deal so i will never go to another ohio state michigan game i will i will make that sacrifice it it means endless national championships i'm sure you would um yeah so let's uh, let's get into the hopefully the even more fun stuff which is you know me and you have talked offline a little bit with the national media um i get annoyed with being an iowa fan i get annoyed with being certainly a big 10 fan so Give me a couple things to talk about with the, what the national media gets wrong with Ohio State, whatever you want to intertwine in with the Big Ten, you know, go for it. So it's not technically what they get wrong with Ohio State, but they always underestimate the strength of Ohio State because they underestimate the strength of the Big Ten. So like I said earlier, Ohio State loses the game or struggles against a Big Ten team. And all you hear is Ohio State sucks. So let's talk about Purdue or Iowa, for example, when you guys, both those teams beat us 2017, 2018. But on the same hand, Alabama loses to Auburn into the season. And it's all, oh, Alabama had to play a tough SEC schedule all year. So it's like, has nothing to do with Auburn. It's all that Alabama was burnt out. So like, you can't give Ohio State any credit for losing a good game. In Iowa and Purdue, they did not get any credit for those games. I don't remember anyone saying, oh, Iowa is a great team. They deserve that win. It's just very frustrating. You know what? And something that I remember about that uh, Iowa-Ohio State game uh, that I was not in attendance, um, one of my big regrets, I had tickets. Just It's always a four-hour trip for me, so I just didn't make the trip. Um, but after the game on Twitter, there were a ton of Ohio State fans that DM'd me, tweeted me, and were basically just like, great game. You guys played awesome. I, I always get nervous to come into, come into Kinnick. Like, Ohio State fans get a, a little bit, you know, too much of, of, of people shouting on them on Twitter saying how bad they are. The Ohio State fans after that Iowa game were cool as hell to me. Or not, not all of them, of course, but by and large. Um, and I really do believe a lot of it is rooted in what you're talking about, which is Ohio State fans, the, the ones, the true Ohio State fans like you, not the corporate Ohio State fans, which I think is the thing, uh, but the true Ohio State fans, they realize that if they talk down about Iowa beating them, they know that makes them look bad. That was that that stuff happens in college football. Yes, but it's not allowed to happen to Ohio State 
because if anybody beats them in the Big Ten, it has they can't give us the fact that there are other good teams and coaches and programs in the Big Ten. They just always make it about a negative to Ohio State. It's infuriating for Ohio State fans, and it's infuriating for the uh, fan bases that, you know, in the rare occasion get to beat Ohio State. Yeah, it's like Iowa puts together this great game plan and absolutely destroys Ohio State, and no one wants to give Iowa credit for it. Like, that has to be incredibly frustrating for Iowa fans. Like, obviously, you still get to enjoy a great win, but it has to suck when they're just, like, crapping on Ohio State. Like, oh, Ohio State can't beat Iowa. Like, well, hold up, hold up. Iowa's actually a pretty good team who puts a lot of guys in the NFL every year. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you saying that. And I, I mean, I got sick of hearing about the game, to be quite honest with you, because again, yeah, it was just, it was never about, you know, how Nate Stanley just went unconscious for a game. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it was just all about what Ohio State did wrong. And, and that built in, you know, SEC fallback, that leads to, like, I was so upset in 2019 when, Ohio State got got screwed, um, and I'm going to kind of screw it up, but but they could have been a one or two seed. I, I think they were a three seed that year. Yeah, they were they were a three seed behind Clemson and LSU, and obviously, just my opinion, they should have been the number one seed because every statistic that you looked at had either Ohio State or Clemson being number one over LSU. I mean, LSU, I think they. I'd have to go back and look, but they let like. Ole Miss scored like 48 points on them. They LSU did not dominate all year. Sure, they dominated the playoffs. They dominated at the end of the season. But going into the playoffs, I really don't think they deserved that number one spot. 100%. So, so SEC fans could hear this and laugh and say, oh, my God, these Big Ten homers, like, listen to them. LSU dominated the playoffs. I get it. But it's supposed to be a body of work thing. And the SEC got afforded – that that you know uh, gift of of just like well they're good if the the undefeated sec team obviously is going to be number one they got gifted that ohio state not getting that first or second seed was huge and i had told people well more than not the first seed but and i had told people that when ohio state got bumped at the very end that was a huge deal that pe- bigger deal than people were making it out to be those advantages of the SEC getting a higher seed, the advantages of them getting more teams into the playoffs sometimes, I don't think people ever talk about that as uh, enough about how big of an advantage that is. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that 2019 team was one of the best Ohio State teams in Ohio State history. So Clemson has to come out and play one of the best teams in Ohio State history, followed by playing that LSU team. When LSU just got to walk all over Oklahoma, do whatever they wanted, they got to rest pretty much. Like, you're right. That is so much more to it. And in talking about gifting, I mean, look at the 2012 national championship. Alabama beat a bad Notre Dame team. Ohio State was undefeated that year. If they wouldn't have sold a few tattoos, something that SEC schools do every single year, Alabama isn't in the national championship. That's one less national championship. And then you fast forward to when Alabama beat LSU. They got gifted a rematch a few years after Michigan didn't get gifted the rematch when they played Ohio State, number one versus number two. Like, you, all these gifts, and it's like, okay, Alabama deserves the credit. They've been a great team. But the SEC and them specifically have been gifted a lot. 
dude, I, I mean, look at all those examples you just flew off the top of your head. It's it's incredible, you know. And then the recent news is Les Miles. It, it took Les Miles leaving LSU and going to Kansas for any of this stuff to see the light of day. You you're trying to tell me Les Miles learned to be a dirt ball just by the time he got to Kansas. Of course. Yeah, yeah. He went to church every single Sunday at LSU. Never, never did anything wrong. <laughs> Dude, like, but they just are never going to let that stuff see the light of day. So, and don't get me wrong, there's been some ugly stuff in the Big Ten, but but tattoos, I mean, tattoos, like, we're talking about tattoos, you know, and that's yes. what, like, brought a, a Ohio State football program to its knees for about a year and a half. Tattoos never see the light of day. In the, they're, they're doing 10 times worse stuff than that in the SEC. Less miles alone. I don't know if you listened to a, a, a recent podcast, but I, I acted like I was listing out all the things that SC, the SEC had done in the past two years. I had just listed off LSU, just the, just the smoke around LSU. That, that's more than you know most conferences have. But what ramifications has LSU gotten from that? What ramifications does anybody in the SEC get from anything? It's just another built-in advantage, and, and it's yep. and it's absolutely and it's all because it's intertwined with ESPN. They they own the college football playoff, and they have they can't let their their charter uh, 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 conference get a black eye. I, this is not conspiracy theory stuff. It's it's in plain daylight, you know, right in front of us for all of us to see. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating. Well, you have all of that. So it's like, let's rewind two or three years. Hey, LSU stole $200,000 from a children's hospital. Oh. But let's ignore that. Oh, hey, by the way, let's, we're going to pre-rank LSU a top five team, even though they're not good at all. So when they beat or when they lose to a very average Texas A&M team, that Texas A&M team just beat a top five LSU team. And it's it all, yeah, it all just rolls together. And it's so Gosh. frustrating as a Big Ten team. What's more frustrating is, the SEC is good. Like, they deserve to be number one. I'm not disputing that. It's just frustrating how many gifts they get on top of that. Correct. Like, I, it's not even enough. Um, and and I, I haven't got into it as much lately because, like, you you poke the SEC bear and you basically just have to shut off Twitter for two hours. <laughs> yeah, you, you, know. you got 500,000 rednecks coming at you. Now, I think Tennessee fans are the worst, but that's just – Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, just talking about the advantages with that or all the advantages and, and continuing on with that is I will admit, and I will t say it on Twitter, listen, the SEC deserves to be probably considered the best conference, but it's just that I don't think they're leaps and bounds better than the Big Ten. You know, like it's, it's close. That's not even enough for SEC fan. SEC fan really thinks they are the the last NFL division. I mean, that is how crazy. I mean, that's something that Ohio State, uh, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, Nebraska fans, we can all like agree with that. You know, Iowa's beat up, Iowa beat up on Mississippi State a couple years ago in a bowl. Uh, Minnesota swamped Auburn. I mean, I mean, Minnesota was given no chance to beat Auburn. Oh, but you know, they didn't really want to play that bowl. I mean, whatever excuse they have to have to play, it's just right at their fingertips to do it. It's insane. And then they win, like Alabama beats Michigan, and it's oh, Alabama SEC so much better. Like, wait, hold up. 
you just said you didn't care about bowl games. So you don't get to brag about beating a bad Michigan team when you have a dominant Alabama team. Yeah. First of all, that matchup shouldn't have even happened. But you don't get to yeah. brag about it. Man, we'll put a bow in it there. <laughs> like, <laughs> something tells me, me and you could go on a whole podcast with that. Um, I'll just say this. It's, it's nice to to have a conversation with somebody as annoyed at the SEC stuff as, as I am. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll move on to the 2021 Ohio state Buckeyes. Um, it might be hard picking one here, but what, what's a couple things about the 2021 team that excites you the most? Um, I mean, to start off just a chance to watch my favorite team win another national championship. I, I know it's got to be hard for other Big Ten school fans to hear that, but, I mean, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I, I have been a fan of a really bad football team, so it, it really makes me appreciate Ohio State's greatness. It's, Speaking uh, of Baker Mayfield, huh? That's, oh, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's hard to root for him. And it's not hard for me to root for him, but I understand how it is hard for people to root for him, but I love me some Baker. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously expectations are and should be high. Um, maybe what are some, you know, units, uh, uh, you know, uh, certain positions, what are you most excited for, for, for Ohio state this year? Um, the obvious answer is going to be wide receiver. I mean, we have two guys who are going to be starting on Sunday at wide receiver. So the quarterback's obviously going to be fun because there's this huge unknown. No matter who wins the starting job, they've never thrown a ball at Ohio State. So you have this huge unknown of who's coming in. But regardless, I mean, even Jeremy Ruckers, you have a tight end who could probably be starting in the NFL and two wide receivers who will definitely be starting in the NFL. A quarterback, whoever he is, he's going to be throwing to any of those guys. And it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean – that's just on offense. Then on defense, Ohio State is just – we've had the riches of the Bosa's and the Chase Youngs, and now we have three five-star defensive ends at Ohio State this year with JT Tuomaloao, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer. Yeah, two of those guys are freshmen, but they're still going to be rotated in. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those guys progress and see how much time they can actually get on the field. It'll be a yeah. lot of fun this year. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State, you know – might lack experience, but they're always going to have the talent. You know, I mean, there's never a time of any position where you look for Ohio State and it's neither, you know, where there's not experience or talent. It's one or the other, if not both. Um, I think there's, I don't think I'd be crazy to say that Ohio State's fifth and sixth receiver uh, would probably be better than any of the top two receivers at any team in the Big Ten. But here's the deal. I think that same thing could be applied to everybody in the country, even Alabama, seeing as how what your fifth string wide receiver left and is rumored to be the best receiver on the roster at Alabama. I wonder how many times I'll hear that out of the ESPN crews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting to see. I am excited to watch Jameson Williams down at Alabama. Yeah. I, I always thought he was good. He did drop some balls. I mean, he definitely wasn't amazing at Ohio State, but we have so many five-star guys behind him. I think he saw the writing on the wall. Yep, yep. with more coming in. So, um, yeah, so tons of stuff there. Um, but I think there's a couple things to lead us into the next thing is what, what concerns you the most about going into this upcoming season? 
Uh, biggest concern for me, at least, is going to be linebackers. So we lost all three of our starting linebackers from last year. And our linebackers coming in this year, Trojan Missile, Dallas Gantt, they're not coming in. They're all seniors. And they haven't been able to get on the field. And our linebackers last year, they weren't bad, but they weren't anything to brag about. So if you have some five-star or if you have linebackers who weren't able to get on the field as juniors last year, it, it kind of makes me a little worried to see how they're going to do it actually on the field this year. But, I mean, we got some young guys at linebacker. Craig Young's going to be all right. Ronnie Hickman should be pretty good. So it's it's really just going to see how the coaching staff allows the younger guys to come in if the older guys start to struggle. Yeah, um, I think there was a big loss. Uh, when your defensive coordinator went to Boston College, you know, uh, a year yeah. ago. I think there's still a little bit that remains to be seen about the the defensive play calling. Um, agree or disagree, or do you think it was just kind of new faces and whatnot last year with the defense? Yeah, it's so hard. It's like Kerry Coombs is obviously – was really good at Tennessee. He was great at Ohio State before he left, and he's obviously a great DB coach and a secondary coach. But, yeah, I don't – it's so hard because I feel like some of the younger guys could have been playing last year, especially when you're struggling. I mean, we had – we played eight games last year, and five of those games our defense allowed 21 points, and we really didn't make any changes. Sure, we had a few injuries, like Cam Brown tore his Achilles against Penn State. It's, yeah, we didn't really make that many changes. And Zach Harrison, I mean, he's one of those five-star Ds. He wasn't really living up to the hype last year. So it was kind of a combination of everything. But And even kind of seven banks struggled a little bit. I mean, he was newer into his role. And I don't know, I just, you know, as far as quarterback, I mean, it, everybody thinks it's going to be C.J. Stroud. My general thought process is, you know, one of those four or four, five-star quarterbacks is probably going to be good enough to, you know, throw the ball down the field effectively. So I, I don't have a ton and, – and with Ryan Day calling the play. So, like, to me, yeah, I mean, O-line, uh, running backs uh, with the new uh, – Trayvon Henderson, right, if I'm getting that correct. Yeah, Trayvon Henderson. Trayvon Henderson. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there's enough there for the offense. To me, when I come back to the defense, when I see Ohio State's defense struggle – because uh, it kind of did in 2018 as well. Um, I just think of the Iowa defense, and I think, you know, mostly we play, you know, a, a base 4-3. We do a lot of the star defense that Ohio State does now. Essentially just kind of play base defense. You have enough athletes where it's going to be tough for teams to get the ball over top of you very often. Essentially keep everybody under 17 points a game. <laughs> Your offense is going to score enough on the other side to win games. I don't know. I just, to me, I feel like that's the recipe for Ohio state, but we'll see what this year does. Absolutely. Well, and especially in the big 10, I mean, I don't want to talk crap about the big 10 after just like loving on him as I do love the big 10, but I think it's, I, I think it's hard pressing to find another big 10 team with enough talent on offense to compete with Ohio state. Even if Ohio state's defense is horrible, they're, they're just going to outscore everyone. Yeah, I mean, style of play, right? I mean, that's what the Big Ten then picks back up. Uh, uh, Penn State always has a good defense. Iowa, Wisconsin always have a good defense. Northwestern always has a good defense. Um, yeah. By the way, they you know they look pretty good in their bowl game too. Um, and so those are the type of of teams to to keep it close, you know, and and take a shot if they can force a turnover here and there. But to me, again, that's just another reason 
you don't have to take chances. Maybe that game you only win, you know, 24 to 14, <laughs> but it's still, <laughs> win. Um, um, you know, I, I just feel like that's what I do if I was Kerry Combs, but what do I know? Yeah, I agree. It, it is nice because we've heard that Craig Young could kind of be more of that bullet guy that we've always wanted to have, and we've never really had a guy fast enough to do that. So, I mean, Pete Warner was good. He was kind of in the bullet, but it will be fun to see if we can get someone that's in that bullet, just like that true athlete to go out and just stop guys. Yeah, and uh, maybe you can help me out. I'm going to have to be kind of vague here, but who was the guy in the bullet uh, – he, he got, thr- uh, he got thrown out at halftime. I think it was him at, at the Clemson game, uh, who hit when he hit Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think he was kind of in that bullet position. So that was Sean Wade. That was Sean and, Wade. Okay. Yeah, that was Sean Wade. And he was, I think he was in the slot that year. Um, Brendan white, he was yeah. like one of our first bullet guys. He was like 2017 or 18. Um, his dad played at Ohio state back in the nineties. He transferred to Rutgers though. He, I don't know why he never was able to, was, we kept hearing all spring, Brennan white could be this great bullet player. And it just never transpired. Mm-hmm. And he ended up transferring over to Rutgers, but yeah, long same story, thing long story, we're hearing. Look, sorry, that, long story short, I feel like that's a big position for Ohio state's defense. It is for a lot of defenses. I think if they've got if they've got an athlete there that's versatile, I think that's a big part of what you what you guys can do defensively. Yeah, I agree. It will be interesting. I didn't look this up to be an actual like fact, but going based off of memory, I think this is going to be one of the first times in a long time that we're not going to have a five-star at DB. So it'll be <laughs> kind of interesting. Sean yeah. Wade was a five-star, and prior to that, I mean, Eli Apple, Marshawn Lattimore. We've had a lot of really good five-stars over the last couple of years. Yeah, there's been a couple good Ohio State DBs. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the back seven to me is the whole that that's the difference between winning a national championship or not. Especially nowadays, for yep. sure. Absolutely. Well, that kind of gets into the next and last question, which is, you know, predictions, how specific you want to be for, you know, what you expect and how you think it'll go this year. Um, so I'll go a few specific player prediction wise. Um, I do think that C.J. Stroud is going to win that quarterback job. I, I think that he's going to come out and be amazing this year. He, there's just way too much talent at wide receiver for him not to be amazing. I think that Garrett Wilson, Wilson's going to be the clear number one wide receiver. Um, Chris Olave was obviously amazing and is amazing. I just think he had a little bit better connection with uh, Justin Fields, but Garrett Wilson is just too much of a go-to guy who doesn't drop the ball, not saying that Alave does, but a young quarterback coming in, you find this body that doesn't drop the ball and is great after the catch. You're just going to find that guy all the time. This is going to be a lot of fun on offense this year. Um, and then if you get bored, maybe just throw a seam right to seam route to Julius Fleming. Yeah. Yeah. If everything fails, just hit your other five-star wide receiver. We'll be all right. <laughs> and um, I, and I also think, there's a pretty decent gap between the Ohio state offensive line and the next best offensive line. Uh, and that's saying a lot because I expect Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Penn state to all have really good offensive lines. Again, it's just a compliment to that. That might be the most underrated group in Ohio state is, is the consistency and talent that's been put out from the offensive line. Agreed. I mean, it definitely helps that both of our tackles are coming back. 
sure we lost some guys in the interior at guard and the center, but you have two great tackles coming back. That helps right away. I mean, Harry Miller's really good guards. You're right. Paris Johnson's a five-star guard too, or our offensive line's going to be, and no one talks about it because we have so many athletes, but it's going to be easy to get the ball to those athletes and have the running backs find spaces when you have a line that good. Right. Fantastic. Uh, well, you want to put a prediction on it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to predict 12 and 0 at this point. There are definitely a few games that could be interesting. Like first game of the year at Minnesota at night. We already talked about what happened when we go out to Big Ten West games at night. Granted, Minnesota wasn't great that last year, but they still have Tanner Morgan and Mo Ibrahim. So, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be out ready to play that game for sure. There, yeah. Let's see. I'm looking at the schedule right now. The only other tough game. I mean, Oregon will be all right, but Oregon wasn't even great last year. They lost to Oregon State and Cal. They'll have a good defense, but I don't think they're going to be the Oregon offense that we're used to watching. At Indiana, could be an interesting game too, but. I really don't see any of these games being even fairly close. I mean, the only team that came within, like, I think I looked it up. Ryan Day is 23-2 and two since he started at Ohio State. And against Big Ten teams, he is averaging a win 43-14. to 14. Like, they're not even close. He's just dominating teams. Yeah. So, I, mean, I really don't see that stopping this year. So, two things that I've, I'm – Picking up with that, number one, you didn't even list off Michigan. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> off three, four teams, and Michigan doesn't even crack the top three or four. Um, and I would say, you know, Penn State's played you guys pretty close. Um, I, I know they've only had the one victory in the last four or five years or so. Um, and I know Penn State was down last year. I think they're the closest team in the rest of the Big Ten uh, as far as talent-wise. Um, if they can figure a few things out at quarterback – I, I, you know, I think that's another tough game too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Clemson or Penn State always has good defense. They always have athletes. They obviously still have Jahan Dotson, but I am not a believer in Sean Clifford at all. And that's the reason I didn't include Penn State. I, yeah, you're only as good as your quarterback. And I don't think Sean Clifford's anything special. Fair enough. I think there's probably a decent amount of Penn State fans would probably agree with you too. So 12 and 0 Big Ten champs. You think they can go so. after, after that? It's, that's what makes this year so fun. Is, I mean, Clemson has new QB, DJ Uyunglele. Uh, Alabama's got Bryce Young. You got several young guys coming in. All these top three teams all have new quarterbacks. Obviously, Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. But Oklahoma hasn't been able to get up to that top-tier level with Alabama and Clemson. So it's going to be a fun year this year. We, I don't remember a year where all of the top three teams have had a new quarterback and new running back. No, I mean, looking around the Big Ten, um, I don't want to say there's a dearth of quarterback play, but it's it's not as high as it's been. But look around the rest of the country, it's kind of the same way. There's been a lot of really good quarterbacks that have gone on the last two years. Um, you know, uh, I think I'm actually coming around to being a 12-team playoff guy. This year, maybe more than any, would have been a great year to have a 12-team playoff because you might have seen more upsets and more of the top teams not make it as far as they can or as they typically have. Um, it would be a breath of fresh air, no offense to an Ohio State fan, 
if there was just a little bit of new blood at the top and things moving around for, for the rest of us college football fans. I do understand tower. And I agree. I mean, even when it was Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, I was like, this has to end. I I'm so sick of watching this or even when the Cavs and the Warriors are playing each other every single year. So I, I definitely get it. And I'm just going to appreciate Ohio state's greatness until it stops. <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody would expect anything different. I mean, you're an Ohio state fan. <laughs> you would want to keep it going. Um, so are you predicting national champion or are you going to, are you stopping a little short of that? Ah, I don't, I don't like doing that because that sets the expectations way too high, but nowadays that is national championship or bust. So yeah, let's go out and say Ohio state 2021 national champs, baby. All right. Hey, it's your, it's your one chance to shoot your shot. So yeah. <laughs> all right, man, that kind of gets us to the end. Is there anything else you want to add or. Um, yeah, I, I just want to take a minute to remind Michigan fans that it's been 3,516 days since Michigan's beaten Ohio State. You know, all jokes aside, I'm just really excited about this season, full season, starting in September, packed crowds. Can Penn State bounce back? Can Indiana maintain the level of play? Can Michigan beat Rutgers? Who's going to win the Big Ten West? A lot of, a lot of fun storylines. I'm excited, man. Those are some two quality jabs at the Michigan fan base right at the end. I wouldn't expect anything different. You, you had to do it. And I, I think it was well done. <laughs> I appreciate right. you having me on, man. Absolutely. Uh, this is a really fun interview. Once again, Mr. Ohio on Twitter. He's got quite a few Twitter followers. Great follow. Really appreciate you having on, having or have coming on the podcast with me. I am Jeffrey the Greek, and we will talk to you soon. All right. There it is. Mr. Ohio. Um, I don't think he'll mind saying this. This is one of, if not the first podcast he went on. I would say he did a pretty good job for getting interviewed. Excellent job. He really had uh, some some ammo there against the SEC. I enjoyed that that aspect of it. I, I don't know if he had notes in front of him or just had that info readily available, but it was right at his fingertips when he needed to cite some stuff. So I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, and he was a great interview, um, you know, very professional well-spoken so another, another great appearance dude like and we're done now all the interviews are done they're in the can um we there was one team that we didn't couldn't find anybody for we're not going to tell you let's see if you yeah, figure it out figure savvy, it out savvy savvy listeners and there may be a surprise <laughs> guest coming up that uh may sound familiar to some of you <laughs> yes that'll be on the next one we're 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 taking some liberties with who's getting interviewed on the next one but hey it's our podcast we can do it well but yeah no mr ohio did a great job it's it's interesting listening to the perspective from an ohio state fan when they just expect to win every single game that's on their schedule so, i don't know why you wouldn't if you were them i thought he he explained himself pretty well i mean we have the best talent some of the best coaching, maybe the best coaching, some of the best evaluation, some of the best development facilities. I mean, yeah, you should expect and to win probably about halfway a there. lot of games with all that. <laughs> but he was pretty – I felt like he, he was trying to do a good job of relating to us common folk fans. Yes. In the rest of the I, I appreciated that to a certain degree. All right, man, you got anything else? No. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.